Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and as you're turning there, you may recall if you've been here or have not been with us, our sermon series this Advent season has been on the songs of Christmas. Today we come to our last song as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, Simeon's song. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 33 will be our passage. Here's God's word. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Let's pray. Father, this Christmas time, as we look into your word, as we see these songs that were sung and praised to you. Lord, would you teach us, would you lay your truth and glory up upon our hearts that we may praise your name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we've been reminiscing in our sermons, all of the pastors who've been preaching this Advent season, Christmas brings up a lot of nostalgia and great memories, especially from when we were younger. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love this time about Christmas is decorating. Some people might say I'm over the top. Slowly, year by year, I'm trying to compete with those, uh, those houses and neighborhoods that are off St. Augustine, but it's going to take me a few more years to get there. If you have any extra blow-ups, you can bring them to my house. But one of the decorations I love the most about Christmas time are the manger scenes. We have four or five different manger scenes around our home, and our children love to play with them and Look at the different characters. We use them as teaching opportunities to talk about the Christmas story. But these manger scenes, they don't always tell the whole story of Christmas, do they? There are some characters that that don't make it into our manger scenes. Sure, we know the famous ones. We know Jesus, baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the angels. What about Simeon? You know, one of the little known figures of Christmas is Simeon. Last I checked, Simeon hadn't made it into many manger scenes. If he has, I'd love to see that. But he is a very important figure here at Christmas. There's a song or two written about Simeon. I've seen him in one children's book, but we don't know much about him. But according to the Gospel of Luke, he is a very central figure here in the Christmas story. He's very important to the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. 
Luke, as he was recording his gospel here, talking about Simeon, was probably getting his information from Mary. He was interviewing Mary, and Mary was telling him the Christmas story. And one day we went to the temple to do what we were supposed to do, and this man named Simeon showed up. And you'll never believe what he said. And that's what's going on here in our story, in the Christmas story, a continuation of the story. About 40 days after Jesus' birth, Moses, Moses, excuse me, Mary and Joseph were good parents, good Jewish parents, godly parents, and did what was prescribed according to the law to take their son and themselves to Jerusalem, to the temple courts, to perform uh, purification rites, a purification ceremony and sacrifices. And as they were getting into Jerusalem and entered into the temple courts, this man showed up. And even more miraculously, they just kind of gave their baby <laughs> to this man. And he proclaimed something very miraculous. But we don't really know much about Simeon. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the scriptures except for here in this passage. But it's pretty remarkable the things that are said about him. First, it says that he was righteous. Simeon was a righteous man. I think we can deduce from this that he was respected by his fellow man because of his behavior, because of his conduct. He was a, a righteous man. He did what was right. The scriptures also tell us that he was, a, he was a devout man. And I believe that we can deduce from this that Simeon was, was a godly man. He was loved by God and he was known in the temple course as one who, who loved God. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that could be said about us, all of God's people, that we are, we are righteous and devout. This is who Simeon was. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel is what the scriptures tell us. Now, you may recall that up until the time that John the Baptist burst on the scene, there were 400 years of silence in Israel, not a word from God, not a prophet, not a song, nothing, complete silence. Simeon, though, was one of these righteous and devout men of God, people of Israel, who was waiting with great anticipation and expectation to hear from God, to see when was God going to fulfill what he had promised. Simeon's hope was probably most likely founded in the promises according to Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied many times that Yahweh God would comfort his people. He would come and rescue his people. Simply put, Simeon was waiting for God to come and to rescue his people. He had that great anticipation and expectation. Simeon was a, was a sentinel. He was on the lookout for something great that was on the horizon. James Montgomery Boyce said this about him. Simeon had been placed in Israel to point out the Christ when he came. And when he came into the temple courts, that's exactly what he did. We also read about Simeon that the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was full of the Spirit. He walked in the Spirit. God's presence was very evident in his life. But the most miraculous and the most wonderful thing about Simeon was what happened when he encountered Jesus in the temple courts. 
When he saw Jesus with his parents, he immediately knew. The Spirit told him, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the the promised one. And he burst into song with these inspired words that we find in verses 29 through 32. And so I want us to briefly look at this wonderful Christmas song. Because there's three wonderful truths about Christmas here from Simeon's songs. Christmas is salvation. Christmas is light. And Christmas is glory. The first proclamation that Simeon made is that Christmas is salvation. Simeon proclaimed that he, he had held salvation. He went up to, to Mary and to Joseph and he took Jesus in his arms and he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. The word salvation is a very important word in the Bible. But to an unbelieving world, when the church proclaims that what this world needs is salvation, this naturally raises the question, salvation from what? I thought Christmas was about Santa Claus. (laughs) What do I need salvation for? You may remember, though, from the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew, that the Lord revealed to Joseph in a dream and said that your child would save the people from their sins. This was his purpose. This was his destiny. The Bible makes it clear to us, though, that sin is a very big problem. It separates us from God. And original sin dwells in all of us. Sin is disobedience toward God. It's not following His revealed will as laid out in the Scriptures. And the Bible proclaims to us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches that sin brings death and condemnation. And because of this bad news about sin, we need to be rescued. We need to look in hope and anticipation, as Simeon does. We need to be saved. We need salvation. Christmas brings salvation. That is what Christmas is all about, salvation. Now, the Greek word for salvation is a very interesting word that appears here in the text. The Greek word is soterion, which means one fitted to be saved. Now, this is a very interesting statement by Simeon when he holds Jesus and says, my eyes have seen salvation because Simeon was proclaiming what we now know to be true. That salvation had come in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Simeon was not just looking at and holding someone who would show the way to salvation. Simeon was holding salvation itself. Simeon was, proclaims that, that Jesus is the one who saves. He is saying, look, here is salvation. Jesus is the great joy of Christmas because he has saved us from our sin and he has brought us into the wonderful kingdom that has no end. He has brought salvation. Jesus is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord, as the angels proclaimed. 
And so I think there's a very honest question that we all have to ask ourselves this Christmas. Have you experienced Christmas salvation? Have you been rescued? Have you been saved from your sin? If not, then I encourage you to look at and to behold the Christmas message here. Jesus was born to die and to save us from our sins. This is what Simeon proclaimed to us in song, Christmas is salvation. But Christmas is also light. Look what he says there in verse 32. Here is a light for revelation for the Gentiles. Christmas is light. It's light for the whole world. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Christmas is for us. Last I checked, there were a lot of Gentiles in this congregation. So we're in good company. Christmas is for us. This salvation is for us. This light is for us. But Luke's Christmas story as we read the songs and that we've heard taught, and as we read them in Scripture, we see that these songs take us deeper and deeper into the meaning of Christ's birth and the message of Christmas. And here we see in Simeon's song, as recorded in Luke, teaching us that the gospel is global. The gospel is for everyone. Remember the promise to Abraham back in Genesis 15. God promises Abraham, I'm going to bless the entire nations through you. Look up at the stars. Your descendants will be that great. How was God going to do that? Well, this is that anticipatory hope that Simeon had. How was God going to do this? How was he going to rescue? He was going to do it through Jesus. That salvation that God has provided is a light to all peoples through Jesus Christ, the Lord. As we think about Christmas light, what this world needs is more light. Light implies that there is darkness. And I think in a lot of ways we need to wake up and realize that we live in a dark, dark world. Think about this, from the time that Jesus showed up on the scene here in Bethlehem and Herod having all these innocent children slaughtered because of his jealousy of a promised king, up until the recent tragedy that happened in Newtown, Connecticut, we live in a dark, dark world. And the world seems to be getting darker all the time. The world is covered in darkness. But at Christmas time, Jesus comes as the light of the world, the light of salvation to the whole world. And so Christmas is this glorious, bursting light. Between Christmas and, and Easter, we have the beautiful light rays of God's grace shining down upon us, making His wondrous love known to the world. Christmas is light. Christmas truly is the most wonderful time of the year, is it not? Because the light has overcome the darkness. Again, this harkens us back to Isaiah. In Isaiah 60, he proclaims, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Are you living in the darkness? Does the world seem hopelessly dark to you? The Christmas message is that Jesus is the light and that his light has overcome the darkness. And so he tells us, take heart. I have come overcome the world. He is the light of the world, as we read in the Advent reading from John 1. Christmas is light. But Christmas is also glory. He says there again in verse 32 in his song, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. We often throw around this word glory and never stop to give it much thought to what it actually means. But glory means a high renown, a a magnificence, a, a great beauty beyond description. Here, Simeon proclaims that Jesus would be glory to God's people, Israel. In Exodus, you may recall the Shekinah glory that led God's people, that was the the visible manifestation of God's presence with his people at all times. But how would Jesus' arrival be glory to the people? Well, God has specifically chosen his people, Israel, to bring forth his Savior. And this would be glory to God's people. We look back at the scriptures and we see that Israel was God's chosen people, but that through them, though, all the world would be blessed. And again, how would God do this? Simeon has now proclaimed that glory has come to God's people because they were the ones who received the great promises. But now they are the ones whom God has brought the greatest Christmas gift the world has ever seen. Salvation in the flesh. King Jesus. A glory has come down at Christmas time and has been given to God's people. And Jesus Christ is that glory. Christmas is glory. The glorious beauty of God in Jesus Christ has come down to us in a child being born in a manger. At Christmas, we receive glory. Because of Jesus. I promised many of you a great Christmas gift. And that was a short sermon. But I want to close with some very important application. What is to be our response to Christmas salvation? To Christmas light? To Christmas glory? I believe our response is to be the same as that of Mary and Joseph. As I concluded in that passage in verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. At Christmas time, we marvel. Think about it. They're great normal parents showing up at the temple to do their good church-going thing. 
All of a sudden, this man grabs your child and starts prophesying these things. <laughs> what? They marveled. They were blown away. They were amazed at what Simeon had just proclaimed to them. What does it mean to marvel? It means to be filled with wonder and astonishment. To be utterly amazed. How do we do this? How do we do this? I love the way that Sally Lloyd-Jones puts it in her book, her children's book about Christmas called The Song of the Stars, The Christmas Story. And in this book, the animals and the people all marveled as they proclaimed, the one who made us has come to live with us. The one who made us has come to live with us. Christmas causes us to marvel, does it not? We marvel because God's wonderful plan of salvation has come to us in the Christmas message. Salvation has come in the flesh. We marvel because Jesus has come and He has illuminated the darkness. He is the light of the world. We marvel because the second person of God was, was born. He became a man. And He died to save us from our sins. Let us not stop marveling at this wonderful message at Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, help us not to forget the wonderful joy that Christmas brings us. Lord, help us to marvel. Help us to behold what You have done for us by this baby lying in the manger. Father, thank You that You have given us the most wonderful Christmas gift that could ever be imagined. The gift of Your Son and You who did not spare Your own Son. How will You not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Lord, help us to marvel. Help us to marvel at what You have done for us at Christmas time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.